All right, this is episode number 79 of the Bearded Marketers Podcast, the only internet marketing podcast that matters. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. Every Monday morning, we bring you the latest in internet marketing, testing, conversion, paid search, natural search, email marketing, whatever it is in the internet marketing, we cover it again every Monday morning at thebeardedmarketers.com slash podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. We bring you all of these things with no ads, no sponsors. Some shout outs. No product pitches. Yeah. Product shout outs for ones that we use and trust, but we don't get paid for any of this stuff. So we bring you the real, real. We also do it while we're drinking alcohols of many different kinds. Speaking of which, what are you drinking this evening to get into the mood to bring our fans the latest? I'm actually taking a page out of your book with a Moscow mule. Forgot how tasty these are. Quite yeah. good. Once it touches the lips. I'm doing a Moscow Mule as well. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm back after two weeks in Paris, and I I desperately missed my Moscow Mules. <laughs> we um, went full rush in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Cocktails <laughs> are not really a thing in Paris. Uh, lots of wine and champagne, but unfortunately, no Moscow Mules. Which you mules. definitely partook in. Yes, absolutely. Many bottles. Many <laughs> bottles emptied. All right, so what's the rundown? Tell me what we're talking about this evening. All right, so for tonight, a great topic to just lead it out with, and I think more people should have these conversations, marketing and dev teams what is the interplay there and should those be more intertwined than they are e-commerce optimization tips let's talk with monetate on what are some of the questions you should be asking as you look at your marketing and e-commerce strategy what to do when your sales are decelerating other than running around the office screaming and setting things on fire <laughs> you know what are some of the tactics you need to take a break take five seconds think through and then it would not be an episode if we didn't check in with our friends at Google and Mountain View and see what they got cooking up in the lab. So first things first, I think you're going to lead us off with the marketing and dev team. So let's talk about that. You know, marketing, dev, creative, analytical minds. Can those two worlds come together without civil war? Uh, no. Well, maybe. Uh, Mountain Dew war, at least. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, anybody in marketing, especially in, uh, obviously we're talking about internet marketing here, deals with dev. They have to, to get things done, usually. Something we deal with when we consult a lot. We sort of act as the dev slash marketing departments for a lot of people to help them get things done. So we're always dealing with this interplay between the departments of marketing and dev. How do they work together? Oftentimes not very well. What's sort of the optimal setup in this day and age of, of marketing that tends to be very technically minded? Not only do we deal with that all the time, I came across this article from firstround.com titled The Case for Why Marketing Should Have Its Own Engineers. Obviously, you can get what their opinion is from the title itself, but I did want to talk about a couple of quotes that I found interesting from the article. Again, we will tweet this out as we usually do for all the things we talk about. But I also wanted to get your thoughts because I know you come from a bit of a different world than I do. So let's just get Avatar right into our world. <laughs> yes. Navi. The corporate world. <laughs> you have to deal with all that crap. As you can tell from the title of this article, they believe that marketing should have its own engineers. And really the gist of it is that their th thinking is that marketing itself should act as an independent agency within the greater organization. Obviously, that only really applies if you're not using an outside agency. Mm -hmm. So in their mind, you should have your marketing professionals in there that work directly with their own team of devs, as well as even maybe designers as well, to get things done. 
these devs and engineers and designers are up to speed with what's going on in the marketing department, the goals and how, you know, all of these people work. So you're not just having to sort of allocate resources from the greater dev team who maybe aren't up to speed with what you're doing. You get assigned a random dev every time you need some project done. Marketing's efforts tend to be much lower on the list of priorities in terms of, look, our database is slow or we're upgrading whatever, whatever, we're fixing bugs. We don't need to change the marketing messaging on the homepage, that's not a top priority. Mm-hmm. It works now. So we'll, we'll get to that at the bottom of the list. So, so that's basically the gist of the article. And then, like I said, I did want to quote a couple of things that I took away from this article that I think makes sense. So it goes almost a bit further than just simply, you know, we should have our own dev and tech teams. They go into the point of basically saying that marketers these days in internet marketing need to be comfortable with tech and dev themselves, right? Preach it. So not only, right, not only do they need to have their own dev and tech teams, they need to know what the capabilities are within the environments they work in. They need to know a bit about CMS's version controlling, how front-end templates work with the back-end's deployment systems, databases, what load balances are, how testing platforms and analytics work, JavaScript versus CSS and PHP and all of these different things. The author of this article also talks very highly of marketers who have had to work in very small companies and or built their own companies Mm -hmm. and or worked in small agencies. So those sort of of jack-of-all-trade guys who have been forced to pick up all of those other skills because they didn't have dev teams that could do those things for for them, right? So if, if I work in a small company or I started my own, when I want to run a new marketing campaign, I have to figure out how to make changes to the websites myself. So he likes working with those types of people who maybe not necessarily have to do all the work themselves, but know what's possible and know what effort is involved in doing certain things. So uh, one of the quotes he used here is, the key is to find people who want to sign up to work on marketing stuff from day one. And Mm -hmm. he's referring to dev and tech people here. Because another thing you'll find when you work with dev people is oftentimes they're really involved, and this is not, you know, a knock on some of them. We need these types of people who are really involved in optimizing certain parts of the process or fixing bugs or who really care about the infrastructure and architecture of Mm -hmm. how our websites or online businesses work. And they don't care to work on marketing. They don't want to mess with your banner ads and and how to optimize the customer experience. So you have to find those guys who are interested in those things, Mm -hmm. who are interested in the UX and how people interact with your website. So um, that's the gist of the article. I don't want to get too much into it before we have a discussion between you and I. Look at you, just one week in France. (laughs) already (laughs) exactly you know again because i know you come from a bit of a different like corporate world and i know you deal with this a lot so i wanted to get your your sort of input on how you feel this interplay should be because i I think you're sort of in the same lines as what this article i I do and there's a few things that i wanted to cover i mean one i think that the person's spot on that as a marketer particularly one that deals with online stuff so just as a bit of background, I've been actually interviewing to grow my team at one of the places that we work in. Don't send any resumes into the show. <laughs> they will not be read. It's shocking to me. Uh, so in particular, I'm looking for an, a person that does A-B testing. And it is shocking to me how many people that work in it, I would consider a very technical aspect of online marketing, have absolutely zero dev experience. And to me, it's interesting to be an online marketer, but not understand how the technology works. 
and understand, you know, as we were talking about what is possible out there, but also understanding where gaps may live or if issues are going on, how to troubleshoot those things. So it is interesting to me how little people in this industry actually take the time to understand how the technology works, which I think would alleviate some frustration that others have. This frustration of, I don't really know why these numbers are lining up the way they are, or I can't track this, or you know, a whole host of things that come up in your day to day. I think having a better understanding of how the technology actually works, you don't need to know how to build this tracker from the ground up or this testing tool, but just very simple HTML and JavaScript knowledge can take you quite far in this industry. Uh, So I would challenge marketers to pick some of that up. It's not very difficult. And I think you'll actually find it very interesting because I do like the aspect of problem solving. And I think a lot of marketers do as well. I mean, that's a lot of marketing is understanding the psychology of the user, but also problem solving. And I think coding and at least a base level knowledge plays into that. But to your other point of marketing teams interfacing with dev, I think that is supremely important. And I thought you and this article author brought up a good point in hiring the dev people that are bought in from day one. And I think honestly, that's more of a, I hate to use a buzzword, but a synergistic approach. And I found that some development people are a bit standoffish at first and that they don't necessarily want to work on marketing, but that's because you haven't really exuded to them an interest or a knowledge into what they do. There's almost this point where I've worked with a lot of developers where initially they did not show any interest in marketing, but once I demonstrated, hey, I know the struggles of your job. I understand what you're doing and dealing with. Now, this is what I'm trying to do. That working relationship goes much farther and it becomes much more give and take relationship that blossoms into something much greater than what it was. So I think that as a marketer, you understanding the the challenges of dev or what your request actually might be entailing and communicating with them will precipitate a better working relationship. But you also need to hire development people that are interested in doing things other than specific tasks. I think that's what it really boils down to. And the development community in particular, there are almost two camps in that one that are very interested in learning new things, doing marketing tests, understanding user behavior. That is actually something that's interesting to them other than their coding aspect. There are other people that development appeals to them because it's I get a very specific task and I complete it. I'm done. I move on to the next thing. And those type of people sometimes struggle in a relationship like this because they don't necessarily want to think out the box. They want their spec document. Tell me what I need to do and then I'll move on. And you have to be able to hire those people uh, that might not necessarily be the strongest devs, but it, it might be a better working relationship internally to help you get what you need to from the marketing standpoint, but also have a solid standpoint from the development side of things as well. For all those internet marketers out there listening right now, take the time to learn some of the basics of programming, of what it takes to design and make things for the web. It can help you better make project estimates, uh, put yourself in the shoes of your designers and developers and understand why it takes two weeks to get something done instead of uh, one hour. (laughs) I also think, though, there's been a, a large shift in the industry in that, as this article points out, I don't need project managers anymore. If you're an internet marketing project manager, what makes you any different than any other sort of project manager? You need to bring those skills to the table that you understand what the technical side of internet marketing entails so that you can better actually manage and provide some real insights instead of just telling other people what to do and and managing deadlines and things like that. I know we're going a little bit long, but I think this is actually a very important topic that is a pain point. I would say 
probably for 90% of our clients in some form or fashion. And if you want better success with your development team, two other tips I'll give you. One, looping them into they contributed to the results. You know, I know that people love to claim credit for when we execute a test or do a marketing campaign and it's very successful, but looping in the tech team of what they were able to contribute to, giving them some credit, but also, you know, just communicating to them the fruit of their efforts can mean a lot to them, but also actually meeting with the dev folks to explain the problem or what you're trying to accomplish. I I feel like not many people do that. They look at a dev process as I'm just going to email them or submit a ticket to get something done. And they don't actually take the time to explain, this is actually what we're trying to accomplish. Do you have any ideas? Because a lot of what I found proficient IT folks have good ideas themselves. They might actually know of technologies or services that you even don't that can help tackle a problem Mm -hmm. even better. And incorporating them into the decision process, allowing them to have a seat at the table sometimes can result for even better deployments or marketing strategies that you didn't even know were possible. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, maybe think about talking with those folks more at the strategy or ground level. I think you might just find some more interesting results going about it that way. So moving on e-commerce optimization tips. I know you have some for us. All right, so this article was really a push for their new e-commerce quarterly report that they put out. So if you're not familiar, Monetate is a testing provider out there, very strong in the retail space, but they also do other sorts of testing, but that's considered their bread and butter. But anyways, this article was talking about really the state of nature for people in e-commerce. I found numbers to be a bit different than they're reporting in most of my clients, so you might want to take these with a a grain of salt. But at the end of the day, the crux of this was looking at mobile. Now, this is a, a huge push and segment for many companies out there. I know with some of my clients, mobile constitutes getting north of 30 and 40% of all traffic. So it's becoming a huge portion of visitors coming into the site that we have to pay attention to. But As it's echoed into this article, mobile acts quite differently than other platforms. You know, I noticed that much higher bounce rate, people tend to buy less. That might be either because of just the device limitations and the pain points that are present there, but also your experience on mobile. And I've also noticed that people are less likely to add to cart, a whole host of other things. All in all, mobile are good grazers of content. They're not necessarily the strongest decision makers. And so what this article was aimed at doing is how should you evaluate your mobile traffic and develop a strategy? Because when I've talked with a lot of clients and even with the companies that I work with, the strategy is more so around accessibility. Do we have a mobile platform or a site? It's not necessarily thinking about Other than can these people access the site and does it work? Has this new platform or experience been crafted to help answer why these people are here and what they're intending to do? Are we really tackling that question other than just can they use it? Great. I think we automatically assume as long as they can do everything on desktop, on a mobile device, they should be purchasing the same. So our numbers should be, you know, in line with one another. And that's really not the case. I mean, understanding that people have different reasons for being there on a particular device. So 
they proposed five questions to ask yourself, which I think are good ones to start, but there might be some more deeper level questions that you have to ask as a business, depending on your products. But number one, understanding who is actually visiting our site. Is it new? Are they returning? Are they logged in? All these types of things to understand why are people really accessing your site and how you might want to craft your mobile experiences based on that or have some sort of an intelligence to change the experience based on those people that are actually coming in. What are they actually doing on the site? Are they just browsing around? Are they buying? Are they bouncing? How are you going to tackle those things a little bit differently? And how can you really transform your site to help them accomplish what they're trying to do? And maybe even continue that conversation past the mobile device. If you notice that you have a lot of browse behavior, how are you tying that into saving those things to consume later on a different device where you know that purchasing power might be a little bit stronger? Or if they're bouncing, looking at your design, is that actually something that works well on mobile devices? or maybe doing some usability panels, things of that nature. Looking at when they are visiting, is it morning? Is it when they're on their lunch break or is it at night? At the end of the day, you're trying to understand what is the user behavior of people coming onto my site and how can I best accommodate that? Is it people that are just doing some general content digestion, their showrooming, or is it people that are generally interested in buying? So maybe we need to tweak our experiences to add less friction. Maybe looking at payment gateways, Apple Pay is coming online or PayPal or Google Wallet. Is there ways where we can streamline this process? If we've identified that when people are visiting, Visiting, what are they doing? Things of that nature are all lining up. Well, then we need to look at, are we actually accommodating them to make those purchase decisions? Who's sending us our traffic? This can be a large determiner on how those people act on those sites, particularly thinking about not just who's sending the traffic, but also thinking about the ecosystems of the site that are sending us. Is it a social site where people have a higher propensity just to come consume very short bits of content and return back because they're interested in creeping on the latest Facebook update or the Pinterest? board or things of that nature? Or is it more of our steadfast channel like email and advertising, but we're really struggling there as well? You need to really assess those channels. So there are some of the questions that I would ask internally at a company to better understand how is our mobile traffic doing? What are some ways that we can better treat those visitors? I can't emphasize enough. I think it's very eye-opening for many people to do usability panels with mm -hmm. particularly mobile devices and look at how people digest your site in a live environment. Be very careful of sample sizing. It's easy to get caught trying to make biz big business decisions based on small samples, asking six people to navigate your site. Again, be careful of how many people you're trying to base decisions off of. But I think that these kinds of questions and actually watching users can help you better assess what your mobile strategy is. Because again, as I led with, it's not just enough to have a mobile site. Just having the accessibility, that's only one part of the equation. Understanding why people are using it, what's the intent, where they're coming from and what they're trying to accomplish. That's really where you craft your mobile strategy that'll help you differentiate yourself from the competitors. So make sure that you're asking and assessing these tough questions, not just do we have a mobile platform and does it work? Moving right along, wanted to talk about a tough subject, many tears, many yelling matches and meetings and late night sweat sessions, and really looking at the question what to do when the sales on your site are deaccelerating. So I think you were gonna talk a little bit about what we need to do to help cool ourselves down, reassess, yeah. and not panic. 
So this is an article from saastr.com. Again, like I always say, we'll tweet this out because no one's going to remember that. It's a high Scrabble score. Uh, the, the title is What to Do If Your Business Decelerates. So this is an article primarily focused to the software as a service crowd out there who's selling the monthly software as a service type thing online. But I think some of these learnings can be applied to other types of businesses online as well. So just want to start out with, obviously, the truth is, and this is a quote from the article, deceleration happens to all of us, at least at some scale. So obviously, every business can't continue to accelerate and grow at the same rates. At some point, point, things have to slow. So here are a couple of scenarios that he sort of lays out. If this sort of deceleration is happening to you, here's what you could potentially do to continue growing. So the problem number one, he talks about is I've tapped out my market. This is something again that happens to a lot of people. His answer is says, of course you have, everyone has and does. I mean, every software as a service company can't continue to grow forever in their market. Eventually you reach all of the potential customers you can find. So a couple of the, the tips slash solutions he offers to this are tip number one, redefining your market slash looking to your outliers, trying to find other markets you can jump into that you can easily maneuver to. You know, this could apply again to e-commerce or software as a service. If you have features that have appealed to certain types of demographics or products that you've sold in sort of outlier ways to certain types of people, flesh those things out more fully. See if those customers can become much larger segments of your overall customer base. Can I make these features appeal more to these people? Can I market to these people more directly? Mm -hmm. How can I sell more to these these few outliers and potentially create new markets for myself. Number two tip for this is to look at some of your top customers that you already have, be it not necessarily just them individually, but the types of customers Mm -hmm. you have and what types of products and services do those customers want more of? What kind of things can you offer to those people you already have as customers and increase your revenues via those methods? Is it more products we can offer to these types of peoples? Are these higher quality products? Are these more features? Are these upsells I can have to all these types of people? Because if you already have customers, upselling to them is an easy way to get more revenue and continue growing. Uh, I think 37 Signals is an interesting case study of that as well. And 37 Signals with Basecamp definitely found that niche bought in customer advocates and tried to expand their offerings to really tie into that loyal customer base. These things apply really directly to software as a service type people, you Mm -hmm. know, as you sort of hinted at there. I mean, the solution for that tip number two, obviously, is like, let's roll out features that, you know, a lot more of our current type customers can continue to use and maybe roll out new plans that are more expensive. How can we appeal to those people? But again, this also applies to e-commerce type stores. I mean, if I'm selling shoes to people, maybe I can sell socks too. Or what other kinds of shoes can I sell to people who are already customers of my shoe store and always buy all their shoes for me? What kinds of upsells and cross-sells can I offer people to continue growing? Problem number two, the competition is killing us. Man, this is a huge problem in internet marketing. Competition can sprout up overnight. Mm. All of those tips I offered in that first one can mean competition stepping in on your market and taking some of your market share. So how do you get around some of that stuff? His first tip is batten down the hatches, triple down on your good customers and your current customer successes. Find out, you should already know this, what do your top customers love about what you do and make sure you continue to do that really well so you don't lose any more of those current customers to other people. Second, be analytical about lost deals. Find out why people maybe aren't buying from you as much anymore. This could just be as simple as looking at your Google Analytics 
but also doing customer surveys. I know you love doing those types of things, usability things. Find out why people aren't choosing you versus other people and figure out what you can do to change some of that stuff. Number three, see if you have the team that can really compete and wants and is hungry for it. If not, make changes ASAP. If you don't have the team to make it in a decelerating company, now's the time to be making changes. Uh, His final sort of tip for this problem, I'm just going to sort of brush over this one, but make sure you're really properly positioning yourself in the market. If you really are the best at what you do and you're still decelerating and there's still market share out there to be had, why is it that people don't know that you're the best at what you do? Is this Mm -hmm. a marketing problem? Is this a positioning problem? So you need to figure out how you need to get your message out more effectively to all All those people who could still be purchasing. I think that's an interesting point. Maybe going a branch off of that is understanding where your market's at in general. Are sales decelerating? Because that's just actually where your market's at. And while, yes, it can be concerning and causing some severe issues within your own financial state, is that just kind of where your market is at? I think another interesting concept or thing to consider is, you know, when you were talking about talking to customers, I am shocked how little sometimes companies do interface with customers to try to help steer product decisions. In my experience, there are actually quite a few people that are willing, as long as you have done a great job fostering that community and investing into your customers, there are a lot that are willing to give some opinions and help you steer where your products need to go. All right, so let's move right into Google Corner. Fascinating topics, though. I love talking about them. So what's going on in Mountain View tonight? Well, hot off the presses. We got a new panda update rolling out. Man, we love these animal names. So really what this update is going to be focused on is to penalize, or I would say further refine the penalty for what Google calls thin or poor content from raking well. So these are things where, you know, you might search for a certain term and really at the end of it, the article that's ranking well doesn't really have much substance behind it. It might just be a slight retweak of what other people are putting out there or, you know, again, it's just not very sturdy content. So what this is going to do is really be a new chance for some, but potentially bring in some penalties for others. So so people that have been penalized with Panda in the past, this actually might be somewhere where you can, you know, resurge. So you might see some shakeups there. If you're more new to the content space, particularly around May or even going back to January where a large update came out around Panda, understand that you might now be in this new assessed pool. So if you notice some strong organic drops from Google, you might now be affected by this Panda update. So you might need to understand why you're being penalized. Again, looking at your content, is it really that sturdy? And by that we mean how much information and unique content is going into this? What is your link scheme? Things of that nature to really notify to Google that you're an authority in this space. Uh, But this is actually content that is not being dribbled out by everyone else and that you are providing what they would consider unique and new and relevant content out there for others. So just being mindful, Panda is a big deal for a lot of people. So if you do notice some organic shakeups over the next week or two, it might have something to do with that. So pay attention to that. Also, we reported a couple of weeks ago on PLAs and the, the shakeup there is, and if you're not familiar with PLAs, that's when you search for a very particular products on Google and there's products that are pulled directly into the search engine result page. Those are now getting expanded into other countries that will tie into local inventory. So what we mean by that is I might search for a Derek Jeter jersey in New York City and within Google, I can have an integration to say, 
I have Derek Jeter jerseys at my store in stock ready for purchase now. That is not only happening in the U.S., but that is being opened up into overseas markets as well. So if you are not U.S.-based, that might be something to look into for your clients or your own company. Then last but not least, Google has rolled up some updates. If you use Webmaster Tools, which if you don't, I don't understand why you would not. A very valuable tool out there. But they did roll out a new API, which you can interface into your own tool set. If you pull in unique reporting or anything like that, you can now leverage some new features. You can list add sites. You can also add and remove site maps from your sites directly through their API. You can get warning or errors, index counts for your individual site map, time series, all kinds of crawl errors, blah, 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 technical, technical jargon, all of that. The thing you need to pay attention to is... When you use Webmaster Tools, what we've noticed with a lot of our clients, they don't necessarily check that immediately day to day. With your API though, you could do some little work with your developers to be notified immediately when Google is sending you a message or an issue with your site that could be affecting how they're ranking it. That's where the API really comes into play and something you need to pay attention to so you can be on it. When Google notifies you of an issue, you can tell your dev team, this is actually something we need to focus on because this is a huge amount of our traffic and if we don't get this right, we could be having some severe business impact. That's gonna do it for us on this episode. Woo, chock full. That was a big one. I mean, one. just crazy stuff we talked about this week. Appreciate your time. If you enjoyed yourself, we'd first ask you to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever channel that you found us on. Also share with a friend, a colleague, or as Rob likes to say, a lover. a lover. Also, if you have a topic for the show, maybe you think every week, those beer guys, they're pretty smart. They didn't think about this. Let us know. Or potentially you're struggling with something. Maybe the boss is yelling at you and you don't really know where to turn. Uh, we got a lot of experience in the industry and we could potentially help you or put you in contact with someone that can. You can drop us a line at thebeardmarketers.com slash contact or we're very active on Twitter. That's where we're going to put out all the links to today's show. We love hearing feedback. It helps us keep the show going, but also help you guys out as much as possible. You can also actually give us a call at 904-270-9603. That goes directly to Rob's Beard Marketer hamburger phone, which he waits by day and night and leave us a message there or text us. Thank you so much for your time. We'll see you next week. Cheers.